One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, guys, welcome back to School of the Holy Spirit, where we're going to continue uh, this path that we're going down, where we are going deep into the realms of the Spirit and using Scripture to explain the depths of the Spirit and, and literally the way in which Jesus uh, intends to make us all supernatural. And so we've been talking uh, a lot about um, how the prophetic is supposed to flow through you like a river. And Jesus used this one scripture uh, in John, or I'm sorry, in, in Matthew 16, where, uh, you know, he talked about, I will give you the keys and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Um, and, I, and whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Okay, and so we've been talking a lot about um, the loosing part, right? Because uh, the only way you can loose what's in heaven is you have to have been in heaven. You have to learn to dwell in heaven. Actually, it's, you know, the, the, the metaphor or the connection point is actually the Holy Spirit is the avenue, the gateway um, into the realm of the Spirit or the kingdom. What Jesus always was talking about, um, you know, was, was the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. Seek first the kingdom, right? Um, the kingdom is the place of dominion. It's already been bound in the kingdom. So if, if you learn to dwell in the presence of the Lord, in, in the power of, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit is. If you learn to dwell in the Spirit, um, if you see, right, if the Father lets you see the vision, it's already been bound. It's already been loosed, right? And so the loosing of what you see in heaven is actually the release of the power, the heavenly power on earth. That's where true prophecy comes from. That's why demons are cast out. That's why uh, you know, when true prophetic words are released, um, there's a connection to the heart where there's a breaking of the stronghold um, and there's the impartation, the implanting of the power of the kingdom, the vision of the Lord for the person that you're prophesying to. And so learning to dwell in the Holy Ghost uh, is actually not an optional thing in the Christian walk. It's actually a command, right? Jesus, Jesus said, you must eat my bread and drink my blood, right? The, the metaphor with, with, with uh, communion is that as you drink the wine, as you drink the Holy Spirit, you become intoxicated with the presence of the Lord. It's not just a symbolic act. It's literally learning to drink of the Spirit, learning to eat so that, so that the bread of life will be revealed to you. And we talked last time about the bread of life literally being Jesus as the Word of God out of heaven, right? Jesus right now is known as the Word in heaven. 
And he gives you the Holy Spirit to access what he is saying now to the churches, right? That's not, if, if, if your whole concept of Christianity is that you get saved so that you can go to heaven when you die, you missed it. You absolutely missed the point. Because the point of Jesus baptizing you in the Holy Ghost now is to make you a supernatural one. To make you one who has the keys of uh, the kingdom, right? Jesus said he would hold nothing back from you. That he would give you all things, right? And we've been talking about how to access the realms of heaven so that you learn through the Holy Ghost what the Father is saying, right? You no longer live according to your own will. You set your mind on seeking the will of the Father. And we've simplified that process into your prayer life. What is your prayer life, right? Your prayer life will dictate whether you enter your real calling, whether you really um, receive what the Lord has defined you as and purposed you in and, and is releasing you into, right? And so, you know, we, we've been talking about this concept of, of being uh, made supernatural. And uh, I want to introduce um, the concept of uh, trans, being transfigured. Um, we talked a little bit about being transfigured last time. But, um, you know, when Jesus took the disciples um, up the mountain and he was transfigured on the mountain, it was... Um, to specifically reveal something to them, okay? Uh, the Greek word uh, for transfigured is the word metamorphio. Um, it means to be transformed, to transfer uh, from his realm, to reform, um, to no longer be limited by the earth realm, okay? You can think of, think of the definition as no longer being limited by the flesh. And, and you, you may say, well, yeah, that's kind of a supernatural thing that I probably will never experience. And I, I would say to you, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Actually, when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, that's supposed to be your first supernatural experience where you begin to expect in the supernatural, in being metamorphosized, if, that, if that's the right word, right? You get the point that he... that that. When you were first baptized in the Holy Ghost, that's your first experience. But in the power of the Holy Ghost, then you experience the supernatural all the time as you learn to set your mind on the way of the Spirit, right? You expect to be transformed. You expect His presence to come upon you. You expect visions and dreams to be imparted to you, okay? And that's that's literally um, what Paul meant by um, maturing in the spirit, right? That you no longer expect uh, the church to feed you. You actually expect the spirit of God to feed you daily in your prayer life. The church was never meant to feed you for the rest of your life, okay? The church is supposed to demonstrate the power um, of Jesus Christ on the earth to the unbeliever and the immature, but there's a maturing process where you learn to be spirit-led instead of church-led, okay? When you become spirit-led, you will enter your call, you will enter your purpose, you will have dreams, visions routinely. It is a way of life in the spirit, okay? And I know I may be talking a foreign language to you, but I'm trying to reset your expectation because Americanized church over the last 100 years has been infiltrated by the enemy um, and, and the, the, 
the, the, the demonic powers of the world to such a degree that it's been dumbed down to a simple trip to the altar, say yes and you're good. And that, that is so far from the truth, it's not even funny. You are supposed to be supernatural, okay? Not an if, it's not a maybe. You are, there is a supernatural version of you written about in heaven and the, the intent of the Holy Spirit is that you literally walk away from the dead thing, the powerless thing, uh, the routine thing that will not get you there. And you learn to rely and pull on the Spirit of God and the way of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And so I want to talk to you a little bit here tonight about the transfiguration. Okay? The transfiguration, like I said, um, means to be to be made supernatural. Okay, that's the simple term. Jesus was made supernatural by the Spirit. Okay, uh, and and you know when you get into Matthew seventeen, um, you know in these few verses we we read about um, really one of the most amazing events in the New Testament, where Jesus, Peter, James, and John are together on the top of this mountain. And what makes the event so powerful is that within um, the written text itself, we get to experience both the temporal world where John and uh, James and Peter were, while at the same time, Jesus, it says Jesus is, is like lightning. He's glowing like lightning, right? They, can, they know who Jesus is. Obviously, they, they're recognizing Jesus, but he's, he has lightning all over his body, right? He is made supernatural. Um, and, and Peter, James, and John also recognize Moses and Elijah. Okay, so Moses and Elijah are full-blown in the Spirit. Jesus is in the earth realm and in the spirit realm as the door. He is the gateway between earth and heaven. And Peter, James, and John are looking at this, and they're like, wow. But they recognized something, okay? They, they recognized something that was supernatural, okay? They, they recognized that Jesus opened up a realm of heaven for them to see, okay? And Peter, James, and John are actually recognizing the Jewish context in, in what they were seeing because, um, you know, in, in, in Matthew 17, 4, Peter says, shall we make three tabernacles for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah? So the first question is, why in the world did, did Peter say that? Okay. I've, I've heard a lot of teachings, you know, things that, you know, guys just say, well, Peter didn't know what he was talking about. He was in shock. And I don't think that could be further from the truth because um, in the experience of what we call the transfiguration, it occurred during a specific time. And Jesus was always strategic according to the will of the Father you know, defining and going to specific places, doing specific things in specific times. Okay, it was there's nothing by chance. Okay, it's all by design. And so when Jesus, when when Jesus took them up the mountain during the specific time, they were actually in uh, what they called um, the Feast of the Tabernacle. Okay, so the Transfiguration occurred within 
what's known as the Feast of the Tabernacle. And this is found in Leviticus 23, uh, verse 42 and 43. Um, This is the command of the Lord to the nation of Israel while they were in the wilderness. Okay? And it says this, You are to live in the tabernacle for seven days. So they were supposed to build a tabernacle. Okay? For seven days, all of the native born in Israel are to live in the tabernacle so that your generations may know that I had Israel to dwell in a tabernacle when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, Jesus, your God, okay? And so the symbolism with what is being described here is that God, in the midst of delivering them out of Egypt, but in between bringing them in the promised land, right? Because the original prophecy um, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was that they, were, they had a promised land, right? So the Lord was speaking to those that He brought out of captivity. He brought out of slavery, but yet had not yet brought them into the promised land. And he says, you will do a feast for seven days where you build a tabernacle, which is basically three walls and a roof. It's basically, um, you know, a a little tent. It literally is a tent. Okay. And he, he says, he says, there's, there's, the symbolism is twofold. One is that I was your protector in the wilderness you will remember that I am your protector. But number two, that you also expect in entering the promise. Did you get that? Not only is God your protector in the wilderness, right? He doesn't just bring you out of of slavery, out of Egypt um, to leave you, right? He's not going to leave you and it's not over, okay? It's actually just beginning. You are actually just given the opportunity to submit your will. Like if if you're in slavery, the symbolism is you are so drunk, you are so bound in prostitution, you are so bound in pornography, you are so bound in all these things that you you have lost your mind. You are out, you you don't even have the power to submit to the will of God. You don't even know God. Some some of you hate God. Some, some Some of you know what I mean, right? You were so bound that there was no way. But God actually... He revealed Himself. He, br- he brings you. He breaks some of that stuff off of you. But then there's like this, there's this wilderness time where you've not yet learned to fully dwell in the presence of the Lord. And you may even have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit whenever you got out of slavery, like, like one in one night, right? All, one fell swoop. Not only do you receive Jesus, but you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and like the, you experience a supernatural thing, but you still have your soul to be delivered and to submit to the will of the Lord that you tabernacle in His presence. And we talked last time about people needing to submit their will to the presence of God to set their mind on Christ, on what the Lord is saying to you. And most people, most people they, they experience Jesus uh, at the very beginning, 
but they never enter into the supernatural realms of the spirit because they don't see the value in literally acknowledging maybe you don't want to pray. Maybe you don't have it, have the strength in you or whatever. Um, maybe you're having a bad season, whatever. But the Lord is saying to you, right? The Lord is saying to you, build a tabernacle. Build a tabernacle. Because not only am I your not only am I your protector in your wilderness time, but I have promised you the outpouring of the Spirit in your life. And in that outpour, you will experience your purpose, your calling. You will experience the blessing of God. You experience the vengeance of God. You experience the judgment of God against your enemies. You will experience the restoration of God. And that's the fullness of the promise, guys. And so Jesus purposely, during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, connected the dots because Peter wasn't far off. Peter was saying, oh my God, let's tabernacle right here. I'm going to build one for Elijah and Moses and Jesus, and we'll just all kind of do this dwelling place thing. We're all, I I love the presence, right? Peter was saying, I want to dwell in the heavenly realm. He got a taste, guys. He He got to not only see, but can you imagine what it was like for the first time on earth where the realms of heaven were so open that Peter, James, and John got to actually see into heaven. They were having a vision. When they come down the mountain, Peter, Jesus, Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you saw, okay? That's, that's not, that's a, like an open, call it an open vision, okay? Call it a, a, an experience It was so real, it was an open vision, okay? But here's the thing. Jesus was the connection point, and he still is today the connection point. He is the door, right? In John 10, he said, I am the door to the sheepfold. He is the gate of heaven. He opens and closes it, right? And he actually gives you the power of the Holy Spirit and the ability to pray in tongues to dwell inside the sheepfold. You see, most people um, who are who have are going through tough times, going through you know wilderness experiences as a Christian, don't realize that there's a simple picture. You can submit your will right now, pray in the Holy Ghost, and enter that sheep gate, and the presence of God will come upon you. The presence of God will deliver you. You have an option to to fast and pray and enter into the realms of glory, okay? Because Jesus Jesus proved even in, in, uh, in Gethsemane, right? In the night he sweat blood and he's trying to get Peter, James, and John to pray with him, right? He says, can't you just pray one hour, right? And they're falling asleep and Jesus is sweating blood and he's saying, not my will be done, but your will, Father, right? And so Jesus was bent he was he had to get to the cross so that the ascension could happen to any of us any one of us can climb the mountain of the lord it's a symbol guys you can climb the mountain of the lord with the intent to tabernacle with the intent to set up your prayer tent with the intent to experience the promise of the father 
right? Jesus, Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, do not leave the city until I send the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is that His presence would come in the form of the Holy Spirit and you, by choice, could tabernacle in the presence of God, okay? So tongues is not like, people treat tongues as, as like this optional thing, like it doesn't matter. Listen, tongues is the voice of the Spirit. It's the key of David that literally opens the realms of heaven to get you into the dwelling place of the Lord. In fact, the psalmist, when David wrote Psalm 91, he wrote it, in, in, a, in a strange way. He wrote it in third person. And I had this experience with the Lord. He says, I want you to personalize Psalm 91. And so I sat down and I literally, I just changed it from third person to first person, basically my declaration. And when you, when you look at it as a personal declaration, you realize that David was writing the psalm out of tabernacling with the Lord. He would dwell in the presence of the Lord. In fact, in Psalm 27, 4, David says, the one thing I desire above all things is to dwell in the presence of Almighty God. And he writes Psalm 91 and he says, and this is the personalized version, right? He says, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High and under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with His feathers, lifting me in spirit, and under His promises I shall take refuge. His truth is my shield and buckler. It guards my heart, guards my mind, and anchors my soul. I will not honor sudden fear that attacks at night, nor will I be afraid of the arrows of accusation that fly by day nor of the temptation that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I see my Father's vengeance against my enemies, because I have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, my dwelling place. I've made Him my tabernacle. No affliction shall overcome me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling for he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all of his ways. And in their power, they shall bear me up lest I dash my foot against the stone. I shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent I shall trample underfoot because in my heart I have set my love upon him. He will deliver me. He will set me on high because I have known his name. I shall Call upon him and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me and honor me. And with long life, he will satisfy me. He will show me victory in deliverance. The Lord is my tabernacle. Amen. The Lord is the place where I tabernacle. I don't dwell in, in a regular earthly place. I dwell in the presence of Almighty God. I practice the dwelling place of the Lord. I practice the presence of the Lord, guys. And the, Lord's, the Lord is saying to you, and this is, this is the revelation of, of Romans 8, 
Set your mind on the Spirit. What Paul is basically saying is tabernacle. Tabernacle in the presence of the Lord. Pray in the Holy Ghost until something changes. Pray in the Holy Ghost until uh, the, the presence of God comes and breaks you free of bondage and reveals your destiny and speaks life over you and sings over you. Pray, 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 pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I mean, that, that's just, it's an amazing revelation, okay? It's an amazing revelation. And in fact, you know, when, when the angel spoke to Mary, let's go back to the beginning of Jesus coming as the word, okay? Jesus took off, it says he took off his, uh, his heavenly um, assignment and he came to earth, right? Because of his earthly assignment. Okay, and when, the, when, when Mary spoke about the birth of a son, he was talking about the miracle of the realm of, he- of heaven entering the realm of earth. That's what a prophetic word is. It's a prophetic picture, okay? That's what visions and dreams are. Jesus is the word, right? He is the vision. He is the dream. Okay, and so this this birthing process is a picture of you going in to uh, the womb, into the tabernacle to receive new vision, to receive new dreams of the Lord. Right. Okay, it says it says it says that the light spoke into the darkness and the darkness could not stop it. That's what when, when you get a dream or a vision, if you hold on to it, nothing can stop the dream. Okay, why? Because it's been released out of heaven. Why? Because it's been loosed out of heaven. Your encounter is not an earthly encounter. Your encounter is a spiritual um, impregnation and birthing process in the spirit. Okay, and so when when um, when the angel spoke to Mary in Luke one thirty seven, he said, "For with God nothing shall be impossible." Okay. That phrase means the voice of God breaks in, okay? The, the, the word um, for, for with God nothing is actually the word, it actually is a phrase that means nothing is impossible when God speaks. Nothing is impossible when God speaks. And the angel was confirming to Mary that the angel was the messenger of God speaking to her, that she would not only bear a son, but he would be the savior of the world, okay? Nothing that God speaks is impossible. What God speaks has already been loosed on earth, okay? The messenger, which is the angel of the Lord, came and spoke to Mary and was, was releasing what the Lord had already spoken. You will bear. You will be pregnant and bear the Son of God. Okay? It's, 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 a, it's a prophetic picture. And when you receive visions and dreams, you, you literally are carrying Jesus, the impregnated one. Okay? You, you, are, you, are, you become the impregnated one with the word of the Lord. Amen. And it all starts with a tabernacle. Okay. And, and this tabernacle, guys, I just, man, this, um, I, I, the Lord took me back to a, um, an encounter I had with him back in 2018. Um, and it's a dream of the tabernacle. And I'm just going to read it here. Um, and then we're going to talk about it. Okay. Okay, so in the dream, this happened in uh, the summer of 2018. Um, 
And this, this happened uh, several years after Kim Clement died. And so um, I don't know if you guys all know who Kim Clement was, but Kim Clement um, was a, a, uh, a very well-known, um, trusted voice of the Lord. Uh, the Lord, you know, put him aside. He wasn't really connected to a lot of big organizations. He was literally dedicated his life to being in the presence of God. And, and he would, he would literally just, um, worship and prophesy, prophesy what the Lord was saying. And so, you know, he had died, um, in 2016, I believe. Uh, and so this dream I had was two years later after his death and the dream started, um, uh, with my eyes, it, it was like I was asleep, but my eyes open and I realize I'm being led by an angel following narrow steps that enter an attic room. Kim Clement is alone, playing a piano. He's weeping as he prophesies about what he's seeing in the spirit, lamenting over churches and nations. He opens his eyes and sees me. He stops playing the piano and stands up. I noticed there was a prayer shawl draped over his shoulders. He walks toward me saying, let me make a clear distinction between two places for you before I go. He walks me over to a place in the attic where there is a window in the floor. The window allows him to see into the churches on, in the earthly realm without actually being in the church. Right, So the Lord is actually showing him visions through the window of what is going to happen. He puts his arm around me, bending down on his knees, and we look through the window. We see hundreds of different denominations and nationalities appear through this window. He weeps and begins to pray. He looks at me and says that he was instructed to take off his mantle and place it in a storage chest. It was a strong box with a lock on it. He sat it beside his piano. He stands up and begins to fold the prayer shawl. He opens the storage chest and places it inside. He then turns and stares deep into my eyes. My heart can feel the passion for what he was called to do. It is intense. He says that the true prophetic voices are not made in churches where men determine who is approved. The true prophetic voices are birthed in tabernacles by men who build a place for God to dwell on earth. This is one of those places. It is a place where there is nobody to praise you, only the Spirit of the Lord to imprison you in chains of prayer for a dying world. A church in great need, and a bride who has settled for far less than what is being offered. This mantle will be held in this storage chest for seven years until the one whom he has chosen has been prepared in a place like this. Jesus then appears. He locks the mantle in the storage chest. Jesus looks at me and says, the church will begin to experience in this hour what appears to be a great infighting 
within the walls of many church organizations. But do not fear, because it is, it is me calling many to the tabernacles they build for me. I am not after the basic churchgoer, but the heart who will chase me even unto this attic place where our hearts are made one in the Spirit. This is the hour of separation where I am severing those imprisoned by religious organizations to be my prisoner instead. This is the hour that I search for a man who will truly stand in the gap, able to look at the church from a distance the way I have had to gaze at my bride from a distance with desperation in my heart. For I have had to endure a bride who's been willing to live at a distance. But I desire a bride whom I can look at face to face. Tell my people, do not fear when what I say opposes everything that man would say is unwise. Follow your heart to this attic place where you and I will become one in our hearts. This is the hour of David where I will restore the tabernacle that has fallen down. This is the hour where the key of David, the mantle of prayer, will be forged in the heart of those willing to follow me to the attic place, to share the hope of restoration. The church is not the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is not the church. The church is not the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is not the church. Follow me, follow me, follow me, says the Lord. And I don't, I don't know, <laughs> you know, the picture is pretty pointed, okay? First off, what is the attic? The attic in, in the tabernacle, or the attic in the temple was the, the tabernacle place. It was the place of encounter. It was the place of the supernatural. It was the place where the throne, right? The encounter with, with the, the Lord sitting on the throne, okay? And so the Lord is is calling people in this hour into this tabernacle place and this this dream and the and what i prophesied back in 2018 was that there would be a great what appeared to be a falling away okay what has transpired with with the covid so-called covid-19 crisis right you have half the church half the people have left the churches and have never returned Okay, and it appears as if there's a great falling away. But the reality is people discovered that they get along quite fine without a powerless organization. Okay, and actually the more important thing is your time in building the tabernacle in the presence of the Lord. The most important thing is your relationship with uh, the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ dwelling in the presence of the Father, seeing His vision, dreaming His dreams, literally at the feet um, of the at the foot of the throne, encountering the Lord, and letting the Lord be your teacher, right? And seeing a world that is actually 
dying, right? Looking through the, the prophetic window at the system, especially in America, the system that has trained the believer that you need the church and that you actually die without the church. And that's actually absolutely 180% wrong, okay? You are supposed to learn to dwell in the secret place of the Most High in the presence of the Lord, knowing Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, you hear what the Lord is saying. And so you are sustained by the voice of God. And because you are sustained by the voice of God, when you do gather, right? And I fully believe in the church. I'm called to the church. I'm called to heal the church, resurrect the church, empower the church, equip the church. I love the church. But I got to tell you, it's a love-hate relationship because most of what America calls the church is not really the church. It's a system that has trained people to be system-dependent instead of Jesus-dependent. Okay, and Jesus, Jesus is pulling people away from dead systems and to the, to, the, to the natural man, it appears like there's a great falling away. But I have found in this hour, especially in the last uh, two years of, of all the travels I'm going to, there are outpourings where people are encountering the real Christ. I'm, and I'm, the Lord has sent me into, into Methodist, Lutheran, uh, Catholic, I mean, you name it. I've seen all kind of denominational people that literally walked out and the Lord positioned to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. And they weep, they cry, they, in the presence of the Lord, they develop a prayer life. And the supernatural has been birthed in their life because they learn to dwell in the tabernacle of the Lord pray in the Holy Ghost, hear the voice of God and mature in the spirit so that when you do go to church, you have something to give the people. That's what the church really is supposed to be. Okay. Right. I talked uh, I don't know, two, three times ago about the eunuchs in the church. And actually the scripture says that the eunuch is not supposed to come into the sanctuary. Okay. Actually, the people coming into the sanctuary to worship are to hear the voice of the Lord before they come. And when they come, they say what the Lord is saying. So they help each other, equip each other. And then they go get sent out to the unbeliever. Okay. The sanctuary is supposed to be where believers hear God in his presence together. Okay. We got a, we got a total messed up system, totally messed up system. Okay, there should be so many people hearing God in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle of the Lord, that you're out on the streets prophesying over sinners, laying hands on the demonized, casting out devils and doing the supernatural. They get literally equipped on the streets by believers, by you. And then because they now hear God, they know they've met the real God. They met the one who speaks, the one who baptizes in fire, right? In the presence of the Lord and they experience the presence of God and they get to come into the sanctuary, right? The sanctuary is not supposed to be the place where un, un, you know, the people off the street come. The only reason they go there is because you are not out there baptizing them in the Holy Ghost, praying for them, healing them, delivering them, feeding them, casting devils out of them. Right, you get the picture? It's actually 180 degrees opposite. 
You are supposed to learn and, and hear the voice of God in the tabernacle that you build in your prayer life, in your living room with your family. And together then as you hear, not only do you go to the church to help um, it, you know, interpret the voice and the direction of the Lord, send Jim and Joe down to the homeless shelter, send these five guys up to the boys club, send these two people over to Walmart. There's a, there's a girl that needs help at Walmart. What if that's really what the church would look like because people set up their tabernacle in their own home and because they learn to dwell in the presence and rely on the Holy Ghost, praying without ceasing, praying day and night in the Holy Ghost, okay? And Jesus in this hour is, I believe, you know, he's held on to this mantle. He's, he's holding on to this mantle, and, you know, I don't believe it's just a coincidence that the Lord told me in this, in this encounter that he would hold it for seven years. Seven years is symbolic because the Feast of Tabernacles that I taught you at the very beginning was seven days. You are to remember me, says the Lord in the book of Leviticus. You are to remember me by building a tabernacle and dwelling in it for seven days. Okay? And I will come to you. And I hear the Lord saying to you guys right now, build your tabernacle to the Lord, dedicate your time, whether it's two hours, three hours, five hours, six hours a day for seven days, dwell in his presence, make it a point that you are going to change your life by encountering the Lord and being transfigured in your own living room, in your own prayer room. Amen. Because the Lord, I believe, is going to start handing out mantles of prayer in this hour. There is, no, there is never a revival without first prayer. There is never a supernatural outpouring of, 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 of the gifts of the Spirit, the equipping of the church. And, and it's just, it just doesn't happen without a revival of prayer, okay? Revival and an outpour to the people only happens because there is a group of people who learn to pray, to beat on heaven's door, to cry out to God that the presence of the Lord would come so profoundly and change them that they would be transfigured. They would be clothed in lightning, just like Christ. There would be evidence that they were tabernacling with the Lord himself and the revival would go through those who birthed revival in their prayer life. Amen. You get in the picture. You get in the picture. I'm teaching. I'm teaching you about prayer because a lot of people think that well, they just they come into my classes and they learn. You know, they're in my presence and and they 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 see. You know, there's a lot of people with strong prophetic gifts that see visions and dream or see visions and when they go home they have dreams and that's all cool, right? I and that's my purpose. I get to go jumpstart people. But I'm telling you this. Because I also see a lot of people and it, it hurts me because I invest in people um, and, and because they, they experience things supernatural with me. But when they get alone, they never enter into the realms of the spirit because they never take hold of the prayer life and the amazing gift of tongues that the Lord gives to all of us. And if you want to enter into the supernatural, you've got to commit to a prayer life. Because if you commit to a prayer life, 
the, all the all the gifts of the spirit, all the all the gifts, the gifts of prophecy and discerning of spirits, and you know all the revelatory gifts, um, words of knowledge, insight, supernatural insight um, into things. All that happens in the secret place as you learn to dwell in the presence of the Lord. And it, I'll say it again: it comes back to the Lord wanting your heart. He wants your will. He wants you to set your mind on Him, right? The book of Leviticus does not just disappear because Jesus came. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, but the understanding of what the Lord is looking for is actually outlined in the book of Leviticus, right? It's it's outlined throughout the whole Bible, but in, in what I'm teaching you, Leviticus 23, verse 42 and 43, you are to live in a tabernacle for seven days. All the native-born Israelites are to live in a tabernacle so that your generations may know that I, Israel, dwell in the presence of God, remembering that He is my protector in the wilderness and that He promised to take me into the promised land. Okay? So that, that tabernacle is symbolic. You want to enter your tabernacle? You go into prayer believing that you are going to be transfigured. Not deciding that you're not going to leave your prayer room until He speaks, until He answers you. And it may take an hour. It may take five hours. It may take all night. It may take three days of fasting. No, no, No food, water only. And deciding you're going to knock on heaven's door until He answered. Right? Because either he's real or he's not real. But he's, he promised. And all I'm doing to you is testifying to you that he speaks. He is the God who speaks. He is the God who said he'd equip you. He's the God who said that he would fulfill you. He would reveal himself to you. He would not hold anything back from you. Amen? And so, you know, the, guys, this, this, the, you know, these last three, four, five messages about you know, recognizing uh, Jezebel and the eunuchs that the that the dead system build, right? Because eunuchs, you know, if you haven't listened to the one about Jezebel and the eunuchs, you need to go listen to it. I, I think it's maybe, I don't know, 43, 44, 45, somewhere in there. Um, but it's the picture of Jezebel with eunuchs is people who want to serve, they're actually serving on her table, but they're impotent, right? They've been castrated. They have no ability to reproduce, meaning they cannot hear God on their own. And Jezebel is symbolic of a church system that keeps people coming into a system just to be fed food that you think is rich in, in protein, it's high, right? It's, it's high in calories. It is, it is designed to feed you, but falsely, it makes you a eunuch. It makes you unable to reproduce in the kingdom, right? And the spirit of Jehu comes and, and equips the eunuch to even break out, right? To throw Jezebel out the window and for the eunuch to literally be broken free from the table. And the Lord literally equips every person who's not baptized in the Holy Ghost, who does not pray in tongues and see visions and dreams as a eunuch, okay? You're a spiritual eunuch. 
because there's no way you can reproduce. The only way you reproduce spiritually is to hear God and to do what the Lord is saying. And when you do what the Lord is saying, he literally flows through you. He is, he, you are, he is the vine, right? Right? He's the vine. You're to be connected to the vine. And the only way that fruit comes out of you is to you, for you to be connected in, in, in the power of the Holy Ghost so that the voice of God flows through you and awakens the people around you, right? They, are, they, they literally meet Jesus because he speaks through you. That's the, that's the only evidence of a, pers- of a person in a church not being a eunuch. If you, if you do not flow in the in know, and know the voice of God, you're a eunuch, and you you need be, to be delivered of that Jezebel spirit that has bound you in a dead, powerless system that brings you back to to a table that does not produce fruit. It only produces more eunuchs coming and in their mind are convinced that if they serve the system, somehow they're serving Jesus. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, do my commands, right? John 14, 15 and 16, go read it. Jesus said, if you love me, do my commands. What's my commands? His commands are his voice. His commands are not following scripture. Okay, there's a lot of preachers out there who have dumbed down the term following commands down to simply learning scripture and trying to do your best to achieve it. And that's not that's not there is no way that that's scriptural. That is not that is not a biblical that is not a kingdom interpretation. Put it that way. In fact, Jesus said, come to me. I am the vine. Okay. I will speak to you. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. In fact, at the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and said, right, you have filled yourself with earthly things, but now come to me, right? Come to me. And the rivers of life will flow through you. That's what he said, okay? In the book of John, read about it. He, he, he stood up at the feast and said, you've gorged yourself on the world and it can't sustain you. It can't feed you. It can't do anything to you, for you. It can't make you supernatural, nothing. But come to me, right? I will, I will cause you to ascend the mountain. You'll be transfigured. You'll be made supernatural. You will be made to tabernacle. You will learn to tabernacle in my spirit. Amen. And so, Lord, I just, I pray for every person that is listening to this and getting a revelation that in some fashion, they were, they were just a product of the system. That they were, they were, they were eating food that they thought that was going to make them supernatural or, or make them Christian. But the Lord says, I'm not after a terminology of you being Christian. I'm after you being kingdom minded. I'm after you seeking first the kingdom. I'm after you entering the realms of the spirit, setting up your tabernacle to hear my voice, says the Lord. Lord, I pray for every person who has never um, prayed longer than 10 minutes in the Holy Ghost. 
Lord, I pray for the power of the Holy Ghost to come on them right now. Lord, that they would begin praying in tongues and prophesying. I pray, Lord, that they would have such a desire and hunger, Lord, that they would dwell in your presence for days on end, that there would be a thirst, Lord, that they would hunger and thirst for the presence of God, that they would pray and pray and pray without ceasing. Lord, and that you would make them like you made Jesus. You would clothe them in lightning. You would clothe them in the supernatural voice of the Lord. And they would know that they know that they know that they're connected to the one who speaks. They're connected to the one who lives. They're connected to the one who gives power to the weak, right? It, It gives power, Lord, to those who seek you. Lord, I pray that there would be revivalists, Lord, right now listening to this and that that they would literally lay down all their religious routines and garb and all the junk that they've learned in these dead, powerless denominations, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would would tabernacle with you, that they would, uh, Lord, be um, like, like, uh, like Finney, Lord, and like Father Nash, when, when Nash would pray day and night without ceasing before Finney would come to town, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as Father Nash went into the cities like Rochester and Syracuse and upstate New York in the revival of the 1800s, Lord, I pray that as, that as Father Nash tabernacled in your presence and prayed and prayed and prayed in the Holy Ghost day and night, pulling down strongholds, taking captive, Lord, the principalities and rulers of darkness and literally, Lord, um, tabernacling in your presence so profoundly that by the time Finney came, that all of of the, the city would be overcome by the glory of the Lord and, Lord, demons would fly out of people and they'd be healed and hundreds and thousands of people would come and give their life to Jesus because of one revivalist named Father Nash who prayed day and night without ceasing. Lord, I pray for that same uh, anointing. I pray for that prayer shawl, Lord, that you had on Kim Clement, Lord, that that people would begin to even dream right now of seeing their mantle fall out of heaven upon them. Lord, that they, would, that they would be able to look through the window, Lord, and see the nations, to see the churches, and that there would be a lament, Lord, an actual lament, a prophetic lament, Lord, in, in the revivalists that you're awakening right now, Lord, that they would actually pray with a lamentation. Lord, I pray that they would have a lamentation for the nations, a lamentation for the church, Lord, that they would pray and pray and pray for your presence to pray, Lord, that you would speak to your people and set them free from Jezebel's table. Lord, from the false and, 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 the, and the powerless church, Lord, that you, Lord, came to correct. Lord, I pray that you would correct the church. Lord, send your prophetic voices into the churches, Lord, to awaken, Lord, to, to break down the idols, to tear the, the idols down, Lord, and to bring people um, to hunger and thirst in the presence of the Lord, to hunger and thirst for their one true God, Lord, that they would build their tabernacles. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for every person listening right now, Lord, that that, uh, you would begin to unction them. Lord, that they would begin to weep 
Lord, I just feel this, this weeping, this lamentation beginning to fall on the people, Lord, who are listening to this right now, that there would be a, a spirit of intercession, a spirit of prayer that would be imparted to them, Lord, that they would, that they would uh, Lord, set their mind on the way of the Spirit and decide the tabernacle with you to change the world. Lord, that the real Jesus would walk the streets healing the sick and casting out devils, that the real Jesus would walk into schools and preach that Jesus Christ is the one true God. Not not the green gospel, not the you're going to die because the world is going to be overpopulated gospel, not not what they teach in schools telling the children um, all these false things. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Lord, that the real Jesus that would be released through the revivalist Lord who tabernacle with you day and night. In Jesus' name, let this grace come upon every person listening right now. Lord, let lamentation come right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.